Welcome back to the Duck Pod. Ryan Thorburn joined by Ken Woody. Uh, we're going to break down Oregon's big opening night win over Stanford and look ahead to this week's game at Washington State and also talk about what happened in the Pac-12 during week one. Uh, some good games, some games that were canceled, and the Pac-12 finally joins the college football party in November. Ken, how are you doing? What did you think of Saturday night's opener at an empty Autzen Stadium. Uh, we wore the black armbands for you in the press box, but no one, <laughs> no one really talked to us or came near us. Oh, jeez. <laughs> they probably thought that it, it meant you had the plague. Yeah. Um, I, I'm doing well, and uh, I was impressed mostly with what I saw last Saturday in empty Autzen. Um, the one cool thing is, you can hear the players and coaches yelling uh, out there, mm -hmm. and so um, every once in a while, I found some real strong. I heard some real strong coaching from one group or the other. So, but I think uh, the Ducks look pretty good. Um, as you, we were talking about this before, the uh, virus has really brought a a, a big impact to uh, play. Uh, Utah had to cancel their game with Arizona, Washington, with Cal. And uh, just the, the other day, Utah asked for an extra day to prepare for their game with UCLA this weekend. So we also heard that the Cougars were missing 32 players on their trip to Oregon State, and they ended up winning anyway. So you know, maybe that wasn't all the virus. I'm, I'm guessing some of it was, but uh, I think one of the indicators uh, as we try to see if it is a virus or not is look if it's, if it's uh, to a position group. And it looked like the defensive backs at Washington State, they had six guys that uh, missed the boat. They had a freshman walk-on who started the game and played every, every uh, uh, down. And at halftime, he was the leading tackler with seven. I mean, that's – it's wacky. So, uh, I hope the Ducks are able to uh, avoid uh, a major outbreak because, it, you know, Tyler Shuck looked great at quarterback. But, like, Stanford lost their quarterback right before the game. And, uh, you know, so coaches are going to really have to be able to adjust. And I think you'd better get a lot of players ready to play, whether – you know, you want to or not. Well, let's start with Shuck then. You know, he had uh, 227 yards passing and 85 yards rushing, uh, touchdown pass, touchdown run, one interception that he said was just a, a late decision and a force over the middle. But overall, you have to be impressed with uh, Joe Moorhead's offense. I know it's not vintage Stanford, but when you're able to push Stanford around, and run the ball that effectively on Stanford, score that many points on Stanford, it's a heck of a start. It is. It's, uh, you can count on Stanford being tough. And, uh, uh, you know, if their field goal kicker had been able to make uh, – he missed four easy ones. Uh, if he had made those four, that game could have been a lot, a lot tighter, and it, it certainly would have been. Um, Shuck reminded me scrambling of Vernon Adams. He did a couple of – uh, Curly Stooge, uh, whoop, 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 where he, he reversed uh, field and uh, he scored a touchdown in one case and 
got a 25 yard or so uh, gain in another. I was not surprised because in what I saw of Tyler uh, last year, uh, I had told my friends that I thought he was better as a sophomore than Herbert was as a sophomore. And that's no disrespect to, to Herbert. That's just how good I think Tyler Shuck is. So he looked really good. Um, the first drive of the game, they had to punt, and then they had back-to-back uh, turnovers at some point. And then from then on, uh, t- uh, Shuck was leading them down the field for long touchdown uh, drives. I was impressed with that. The offense had no three and outs. I was impressed with that. Um, that's, you know, a lot of that's leadership from the quarterback. And I think he, he, he demonstrated that in a, I mean, the, the throwing and running was good, but he, he looked in charge out there and certainly not timid at all. I think we should uh, shine the light on the offensive line. I know you watch everything. A lot of people don't, you know, focus on the ball, including me for the most part. But this offensive line had five new starters. Ryan Walk was named to Pro Football Focus's national team this week. He graded out the second highest among all the offensive linemen for whatever that's worth. They grade the film. You can <laughs> agree or disagree with their assessment of things, but uh, still uh, quite a deal for a walk-on from Sheldon, now a scholarship player. And, you know, I thought uh, great for Alex Forsyth to finally get in there as well. And, and some of the more talented recruits they've had, Stephen Jones and and Big Sala and, and TJ Bass. But overall, how do you think they played? I thought um, they played, after the game, I thought they played really well. After watching them on film, I still think they played uh, well, but maybe not pretty well. Uh, there's some work to do. However, you know, Ryan Walk, the question to ask Cristobal is, how can a guy be the national offensive lineman of the week and be listed second team on the depth chart. That's a, a hard one to figure. I watched him closely, and he has got some really good instincts for a line lineman. And uh, I would one of the things that guards and centers have to do is they have to secure a gap. And once they do that for the lineman next to them, they then go up to the next level and pick off a linebacker. Ryan Walk does that really, really well. I mean. I was really impressed with that. The big tackles uh, are powerful. Um, and I thought their the, the pad level, the whole offensive line was fairly low throughout the game, but it really it needs to get better, especially for the big tackles because they would lose their leverage. And uh, But, you know, there was only one uh, uh, legal procedure. And, you know, shoot, the, the Ducks, even with their veterans, used to get three or four a game. And so, uh, you know, the, the whole game is called on the line of scrimmage. There's no huddles. Um, the teamwork that they showed, I was just very impressed with uh, what the line coach and uh, Cristobal has done with that group. They were really well prepared and they, they need to play better. But I think they showed that they can be pretty good. And I, that, I really enjoyed watching the walk. Uh, play because he's been well coached along the line and uh, certainly showed that. Let me give you some advice. Don't worry about the Ducks depth chart. They do some screwy things with that. Um, <laughs> they call it the organizational chart. Um, for, for example, they still have Cam McCormick, Spencer Webb, 
and Hunter Campmoyer listed as the co-starter at tight end this week, along with DJ Johnson, even though Cristobal said he doesn't expect any of those first three guys to be back this week. So that segues into DJ Johnson. Here's a guy who hadn't been working at all with Shuck in the first team because of injuries and whatever. He's in there, scores the one receiving touchdown. Just a giant of a man playing tight end. Your thoughts on DJ Johnson, the former highly recruited defensive end? Well, he, he, he is perfect, the perfect stature for what they're using him as. And he's a tight end. He's a, a, a pulling guard. He's a receiver uh, and, and does a great job of blocking. They had a, a real nice combination where uh, he would either go in motion or and the snap come across the formation from a wingback position and kick out the lineman on the other side of the line. They're literally trapping him. And uh, the running back would run up inside that, um, the hole that was created. And there were some holes created. They also ran the same look and had him keep going. And uh, he would block outside on an outside running play. And then several times on his touchdown, he came out the same look, but now he's a receiver for the throw. And that's literally an option with a forward uh, lateral. Um, so he, I mean, that was built for him. The guy weighs 260 and he, he, very sure-handed. And, you know, a couple of those uh, short passes that he got from Shuck, Shuck's only like 10 yards from him and it comes at you pretty good. And it's at a pretty sharp angle. I, I was, I mean, it was perfect for him. Uh, and I, I look for Moorhead to utilize the individual talents of the players in that way. And he's, he's done the same thing with Verdell. He loves Verdell. And one of the reasons is because he can run that um, circle route out of the backfield. He's a great receiver downfield. He's got speed. He can catch. He knows how to get to an open area. So um, he's I, I think I'm excited about what Moorhead did and, and what, what they're going to do. Uh, they were a little more daring than what we were used to in the old days. I used to complain all the time they didn't throw enough on first down, and uh, they did 13 times, and uh, Shuck completed seven for 140 yards or so, and they threw deep five times, five times. They completed three, had a pass interception, and uh, then an, uh, an incompletion. So uh, the Moorhead is, is going to make people forget about Marcus Arroyo. He's already out of my mind. What I think is kind of cool about the deep shots, I mean, it's easy to say, hey, throw the ball deep. You have Justin Herbert. He's got a rocket arm. But there, it's a, still a low completion percentage play. But what Shuck has been taught by Moorhead is – Every overthrown pass is an incomplete pass. But if you give your guy a chance, like the back throw, shoulder throw, the jump ball, there's a good chance Johnny Johnson uh, or Micah Pittman is going to win that. And that's what Tyler did. He, the way he threw the ball allowed the receivers to make plays on those deep balls. Absolutely. And that it, it, it comes down to the fact that defensive back doesn't know where the ball is. Mm -hmm. And so – um, you, a lot of times you throw it deep, 
to complete three out of five is really good. Uh, normally, you know, one or two out of five would be pretty good, but you have even a chance of getting pass interference. And as far as I can tell, college referees are, are just gone pass interference uh, crazy. And uh, uh, so it, it's, it's really not that much of a, of a, a, a uh, risk to, to throw it deep. And the one thing about Herbert he had a rocket of an arm, but a lot of his long balls ended up out of bounds. And I, I don't think he had a very good long ball at all. And so what he's done at the Chargers is remarkable. And I would say that he's probably had some really good coaching to help him get to that point because he's certainly showing he's capable of throwing good long balls now. One more thought on the offense. Obviously, the fans are going to be happy that they are taking those deep shots that Tyler's running the ball, the quarterback's running, but also Mario Cristobal is going to remain happy because CJ Verdell's got 105 yards and uh, Travis Dye comes in after Verdell's pounded on Stanford's defense and gets 78 yards on only six carries. Uh, that one, two punch is pretty amazing. Cyrus Habibi Lakio fumbled, uh, tackled himself on the 20-yard line and fumbled. But other than that, a uh, pretty good night for the old running game between the tackles as well. Well, yeah, they, uh, they ran the ball 27 times on first down and averaged six yards a carry. So that's, you know, um, getting you want to get four or more yards on first down just to keep you in an either-or situation. Play calling puts more pressure on the defense. Often in the past, the Ducks would run it on first down and get two yards. Now you're second and eight. It's obviously a passing down, and you just put that much pressure on the play caller, the quarterback, the offensive line, all that. So um, Moorhead had the offense ahead in the count, so to speak, and uh, they look pretty good doing it. I don't think they're going to hurt for lack of weapons. I would say that one <laughs> – run that uh, die made for 40 yards. He did a couple of twists and turns that had the two Stanford tacklers almost dislocating their knees. I mean, it was amazing. And so, you know, you see stuff like that. Uh, die has really matured as a running back. You know, as, as a freshman, I thought he was really uh, fairly uh, pedestrian, but He's, he's like uh, Verdell. Verdell is a lot better now than he was as a freshman. I guess you expect some of that, but I think that they both have worked really hard to develop their skills, and it shows. You touched on it at the top, but Davis Mills, Stanford's quarterback, as well as wide receiver Connor Weddington, about 90 minutes before kickoff, Stanford announced that they were out due to COVID-19 protocols, and I guess you just never know until kickoff exactly who's going to be out there. But, uh, you know, that's a big blow for Stanford, but I thought, you know, Oregon probably didn't prepare for, for the backup, and, and that guy had his moments with some deep balls too. But also, uh, you know, Stanford ran the ball effectively, but they just couldn't finish drives. So I guess Andy Avalos' defense was good at at bending but not breaking last year, and that continues. Well, uh, it did to a degree. I I don't think the defense uh, is is going to be as good this year as it was last. And primarily, what I saw defensively, uh, no pass rush, 
effectively. Uh, they, they didn't get a sack. They didn't um, uh, force an interception. So they got no turnovers. And last year, they got, uh, uh, I think, 43. They got 43 sacks uh, to lead the league. Um, the corners, I thought, played pretty well. And everyone, everyone seemed to uh, hustle and, you know, and, and play aggressively. But there were times when guys put themselves out of position, trying to uh, maybe do too much. And that included, I saw a play uh, where um, Thibodeau and Sewell both looked like they were on roller skates. And, and it, it, was, it was like Die overrunning the, the Auburn quarterback last year. Uh, you know, you'd expect a veteran guy to, to break down and get under control. And so it's your first game, and that's something you got to work on. But the, the weakness that I see right now is down the middle. And the linebackers uh, were okay, but Stanford made some uh, yardage in the middle. And where the, where the Ducks, I think, are really hurting is at safety. Um, they, the, they really are, are going to miss Brady Breeze and J- Javon uh, Holland, who had speed and instincts. There were a couple balls that Stanford threw the ball deep that a safety should have been there, maybe not to intercept it, but to be right there. And they, they weren't. And that's the thing that Breeze was so good at. I mean, he wasn't the fastest guy in the world, but he could read the quarterback really well and then end up where the ball comes down. And he, he did that several times last year. So that's an area where I think they're really going to have to get better play and uh, we know we, they have good athletes, so it's just a one-game thing. But that's what I came out of the game. Uh, and I've seen the film several times, and it, it kind of uh, confirmed what I saw. Well, that could be an issue this weekend. You mentioned safety. Veron McKinley is going to miss the first half at Washington State due to a targeting call. So uh, we can get into that matchup in, in a minute. But I just want to get kind of your thoughts on the Pac-12 uh, USC survives and advances with a dramatic 28-27 win over Arizona State. Did you happen to catch the last five minutes of that game? Because it was it was exciting. I did. I saw the whole. I saw the whole game, and uh, until the last two two and a half minutes, SC was going to lose because Helton, your boy Helton, um, turned down chances of getting field goals twice that uh, would have made that game a lot easier on him. He was lucky that I, I think uh, Arizona State maybe got a little tired and, and, and choked. I, that's a game they should have had. They, they played really well. But SC, uh, I'd say in the second half, started to play like you always expect SC to play. So it was a heck of a game. And uh, the, the SC quarterback – made two huge plays all on fourth and long yardage, you know, just zipping a pass in there among, uh, amongst a guy who's covered. And uh, I could, that would be really irritating if you were an Arizona State coach because up until fourth down, they were kicking USC's butt. On fourth down, even though they had the guy covered, they made the play. And uh, that's what the uh, – coach Arizona State coach said after the game is you got to make plays and it's you know it's like basketball every basketball team has got to have guys that are going to make a shot to win a game you got to have them and if you don't you lose 
Well, I'd take Keaton Slovis over just about everyone right now. He looks like a stud to me. I don't know why you think Clay Helton's my boy, but let's talk about your boy in the same city, Chip Kelly. <laughs> Colorado 48, UCLA 42. We mocked Colorado last week on this podcast, and that's nothing against Colorado. I love the place. I love Boulder. Uh, I covered the Buffaloes for many years, but Carl Durrell, as we mentioned, was hired way after signing day. Didn't get on the field till October with these guys. Takes a safety who was going to leave unless they let him try out at quarterback, and he ends up starting at quarterback and shredding the Bruins. What in the heck's going on at UCLA? Well, first of all, I'm not sure I remember mocking Colorado. I don't think I you know, talked them up, but uh, I saw the, uh, some stuff in the first quarter and I was shocked at how aggressive and really mean Colorado was on defense. It looked like Butkus and the Chicago Bears out there. I mean, they were just knocking people around and uh, decidedly a lot more effective on defense than they were last year, which was a, they, they didn't have much of a defense. UCLA is a team that I don't think they've had a strong staff and they've had turnover during uh, Chip's time there. Uh, Whether they uh, get out recruited by SC or not, they're still living in the mecca of athletes and and should have good athletes there. And a coaching friend of mine used to say, you'd look down at UCLA before a game and they always won pregame warmup. They just got great looking athletes. And for some reason or reasons, uh, my boy Chip is not is not getting it done, and it's not because he's not a smart guy or a good coach. I, there is some question about his effectiveness as a recruiter, but you know this: Oregon is a great recruiting staff, and it starts at the top. There's no better recruiter than Mario Cristobal, and every guy that he's hired. He makes it uh, real uh, clear and sure that they're going to be great recruiters too. So, um, uh, you know, I don't know. Just UCLA is like getting a date with the most beautiful girl in school, and when you pick her up, she's got bad breath. (laughs) And, you know, you're just going, what a waste. (laughs) Well, Chip needs to get a toothbrush. Uh, <laughs> so Washington Cal canceled. That's a big disappointment. They're the two primary challengers to Oregon in the North, and now they're not going to have one of them's not going to have that loss. Uh, Arizona at Utah was also canceled. Washington State, as you mentioned, goes to Corvallis shorthanded, beats the Beavers 38-28. We can talk about that more when we break down the matchup. But uh, just looking ahead to this week. Now you have SC at Arizona, uh, Colorado at Stanford, Cal at Arizona, knock on Arizona State, knock on wood, UCLA at UCLA, knock on wood, the Beavers at Huskies, knock on wood. Anything stand out for week 11, which is week two in the Pac-12? Well, like I say, uh, Ryan, I think the thing that's been added to the equation this year is okay, we know UCLA is going to be playing a game or Washington State's going to be playing a game, but who are the guys on the team that are going to be playing in the game? Um, 
uh, we mentioned Washington State. Rolovich, the head coach there, his first game, you know, so he's putting in a brand new system, and he had no spring practice. So you, you've got a very small amount of time to get organized in the fall, and they, they, were, they were missing 32 guys, um, six defensive backs. And for them to play, God, they played well. I was really impressed with how well, well coordinated and coached they were. They, they were aggressive on defense. A lot of people who followed Washington State through the years say this, they were really most surprised by the defense. They, uh, they played good. And, uh, you know, they wore down a little bit towards the end. But, it, you know, if you're missing 32 guys, that might be one reason. Uh, Let's uh, take a look at number 11, Oregon, at Washington State. I was there two years ago, and it was game day. It was a madhouse. You should have seen the Washington State fans doing shots of whatever they were drinking. Uh, what's that hot damn type liquor uh, they drink out there? I can't remember, but... It was a party, man, and it started early and ended late with Washington State beating the Ducks badly. Of course, that was Mike Leach, and now it's Nick Rolovich. It was the air raid. Now it is the run and shoot. Jaden Delora is the freshman quarterback from Honolulu that Rolo brought. Uh, Rolo, the former Hawaii coach, knew all about him. Uh, Andy Avalos said he has watched him in high school and that he's the real deal. What are the keys for Andy Avalos and the defense to stop a run and shoot, which is heavy on the run? A lot of people don't realize that. And also this Delora guy can shoot you down through the air as well. Yeah, people were, uh, were kind of going crazy with the fact that Washington State rushed for over 200 yards. And in the past with Leach, that it had to take four or five games to do that. So they're running the ball, and they're, uh, they're running back who uh, replaced Borgia, who has a back injury, uh, got over, I think, 100 yards. 140, uh, Dion McIntosh, 18 carries, 147 yards. He looked good. And their offensive line, they've always had a, a good offensive line, but these guys were allowed to run block, and I was impressed. Um, quarterback... Uh, you know, as my recollection of the run and shoot is that the quarterback shot more than uh, what we saw. So I'm I'm wondering if that's still something they're going to do much of. But the quarterback made plays. He scrambles around. He like we said, Vernon Vernon Adams is a, a good model to think about how he plays, and they had an inspired effort. Um, very impressed. The Beavs, on the other hand, uh, looked bad in the first half and evidently were uh, counseled at halftime and came out and played a lot better and a lot more um, aggressively. But Washington State, and now you're, you're playing them up there. And you know what? November is the worst time to play Washington State up there. And it's going to be a night game. It's 4 o'clock. Hey, the, the sun is going to be down at 4.01, and the temperature will go down 10 to 12 degrees right there. Uh, a day ago, it was 20 degrees, and they had four inches of snow. So um, if I'm Cristobal, and I'm telling the team, 
get ready for this, I just say, you know what? You guys all want to be pro football players. You could be drafted and play for the Green Bay Packers or the Buffalo Bills, and this is the kind of day that you better get used to if you want to be a, a pro. Both teams were so balanced last week. You know, they both basically had two, like 225 passing, 250 rushing, somewhere in that neighborhood, both of them. How do you see this game playing out? Well, I, I'd say the team that runs the ball the best will win. And uh, it doesn't mean that the passing game won't be important and so on. But if you get a – you know, last year the, or two years ago, it was a humiliating loss. And uh, after the game, uh, Cristobal had, uh, had said something to the effect that we weren't expecting. Uh, and I thought about that. You've you got to be kidding. But in his experience, he'd only played Washington State at Autzen. So you go up to Pullman. And when I played at Oregon, we beat Washington State once by one point. They went for two points at the end of the game, and we stopped them. And and there are only 24,000 fans there. But as you say, they get liquored up and they are intense and the team is intense and they're just, they're a special group up there and they totally dominated Oregon. Oregon was held under a hundred yards rushing and some of their big time offensive linemen that were uh, spoken highly of uh, got their rear ends kicked. And, it, and I remember, uh, Brady Breeze at the end of the game stood outside the locker room and watched the fans, the students coming on the field and jumping up and down. And he said, I want to remember this. And of course, that's the thing I liked about Brady Breeze is that what he was saying is this isn't going to happen again. And so uh, there, there are probably a couple of guys on the Oregon team uh, presently who went through that experience, but it was humiliating and it's going to be a hard game. Uh, better brace up. Well, there will be no fans rushing the field this time, even if <laughs> Rolovich and company uh, pull this off. I think that's a big deal. Um, you know, it took Oregon a minute to get used to no fans at Autzen. And I think it, it's more helpful for the road team. Obviously Joe Moorhead is on the sideline He'll be able to communicate with Tyler however he wants to get that done. I think that's the difference. I think Oregon wins 35-28. I think both teams get some things done on offense, but in the end, Oregon's talent edges it out on the road. Well, I, I, I'll go along with that. I would say that there's no doubt that Oregon, if you, you're measuring talent, it has more talent now than Washington State. And a lot of that has to do with Rolovich is, you know, he came in and inherited pretty much what uh, Leach left him. And they were not a, a uh, necessarily a hard-nosed team, known as a hard-nosed team, and they didn't run the ball very well. And at times they didn't play great defense. So Rolovich has, has changed uh, a, lot that, a lot of that around in a very short amount of time. Be interesting to see if they can sustain it because Oregon is – Present will present a, a bigger challenge, especially initially in the game, than Oregon State was able to muster. All right. Well, we'll be back to talk about it next week. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you then.